If this is your first time with us, you won't know any different. If you uh, come every week, you may be asking yourself, what in the world is going on this morning? We walk in and we're singing Joy to the World, and it's June, and uh, now we're, we're greeting each other, but we're not going into a, a song of preparation. Um, what, is, what is going on here? Well, the answer is our head pastor's away, and this is what, this is what happens when Chip leaves uh, uh, actually, Michael and I got together this week to plan worship, and that's, I'm, I'm the explanation for some of this. Um, we, uh, we sang, if you got your bulletins, turn back to that first hymn. We sang Joy, Joy to the World to start off, and it, it is, you know, we, we sing it as a, as a Christmas hymn most of the time, but um, look at verses 2 and 3. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. And then, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. That's the message of the book of 1 John that we're studying this summer. Is that the gospel is, uh, is definitely for our our personal, individual salvation saves us from our sins, makes us right with God, prepares us for eternity. But it's so much more than that. It, it not only it turns us towards God and prepares us for our eternal destiny, but then it, it works itself out in our lives. And the gospel of redemption goes just as far to every place as the curse is now found. God is about reconciling all things to himself, and that is the message of the book of 1 John. Let me get at it like this as we get started this morning. Um, Y'all will remember a few, uh, I guess it's been a couple months ago now, uh, the storm that came through that many of you remember it because your houses were affected or your cars or your power was out. Um, We were headed to bed that night and knew it was going to be rough, didn't know how rough. And right as we started to put the kids to bed, we realized that Jude had a fever, which is not unusual for him. He's had a series of, of ear infections. Um, and so we, we didn't think a whole lot about it. We gave him a little little Tylenol and put him down. Well, in the middle of the night, the power goes out, and my kids sleep with sound machines. And so as soon as the sound machine goes off, everybody's up for as long as the power is, is off. And so we were up, and uh, we were trying to calm them down, and I heard Jude in, in the other room crying, and so I went to check on him, and I felt him when I picked him up that he was hot, but I didn't realize how hot. And as I sat there rocking him, um, he started going into a seizure, uh, a fever seizure, which I didn't know anything about until after the fact. Now I've read up on him and understand him a little bit better, but he started convulsing his body. And, I, of course, I was scared to death, so I, I, I hollered for Annette. She got on the phone with a, a doctor friend of ours that lived a street over who was up with his kids, um, and, and they were talking. But as I was holding them, he just went limp and stopped breathing. Um, what seemed like to me forever, but it was probably only a few seconds, but I laid him down, and he was, his little body was limp, and he wasn't breathing, and I started to... I, I, don't, I mean, I took CPR years ago, but I started to do what I knew of remembered of, of, of CPR. And right as I did, he, he came to, he took a deep breath, and uh, he opened his eyes and started looking around. And, and uh, we were, our, our doctor friend helped talk us through the process of helping get his fever down. And, uh, you know, we, I was 
driving around Macon, Georgia that night uh, with trees blocking all the roads trying to find a store that was open and the only one I could find was Walmart to get some, some fever reducer to, to help bring his fever down. Um, memorable events like that change you. And I don't think I realized that night how much that event changed me um, until the next time, uh, which was only a few days later, a storm came through. And I started looking out the window, and I saw the trees going, and my heart just started beating faster, and I started going into a little bit of a panic mode, and I went and checked on all the kids, and I got on the internet and checked the storms, and something that had been um, not routine, but something of a normal, uh, normalcy for me, storms coming through, has now become, even last night, the wind starts blowing a little bit, I get a little bit on edge. And it's because of the things, the feelings in my heart that I associate with that night of, of the um, what happened there. Um, and uh, my appreciation for my, my family has grown. Um, my uh, worry has grown. Um, events like that change you. Well, the message of, of 1 John, and really the Bible, is that there has taken place an event that for everybody, particularly believers, um, should change everything about us. Um, should, we, should, we should never be the same because of a particular event that happened 2,000 years ago that we just sang about, that we just confessed, that we just heard about in, uh, in our affirmation of faith. Jesus has come. The Redeemer of the world has come, has taken on flesh, has lived a perfect life, has died for not just some intangible thing called sin, but for your sin, for my sin. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And then he's risen from the dead, defeating the ultimate punishment, the ultimate end of sin, which is death. And now he's flipped things on its head, and no longer is sin just seeping into every parts of our world and things just getting worse and worse and worse. He has, to use the Boston Red Sox phrase, reversed the curse, right? He has, now he comes to make his redemption, his blessing, as the song goes, known as far as the curse is found. He's redeeming, he's reconciling all things to himself. That is the message of 1 John we heard about it a couple of weeks ago when Chip uh, introduced it to us in, in, first, in the chapter 1. This morning we're going to look at, well, really, really for the next two weeks, we're going to look at chapter 2. Let me read for us how John puts it at the uh, beginning of chapter 2, starting in verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says that he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 
Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away. The true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let me pray for us and we'll uh, see what that text has for us this morning. God, thank you that you have sent your son Jesus into this world, that he was seen by eyewitnesses who heard him, who saw him, who literally handled him, placed their fingers in his uh, risen body, the holes in his hands and his side. God, you have come to take on our sin and to deal with it and then to make your blessings know as far as the curse is found. And we know, God, that you're coming again one day to complete that work. God, help us to know how to live until you do come back. Um, May our time together this morning in your word even um, make that clearer to us and motivate us, move us to, to act more in line with who we are in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are studying the book of First John this summer. Some were uh, asking questions about that after last week. Last week we had Dr. Jim Baird with us to preach, and we uh, wanted to take advantage of that opportunity to hear from him. But we'll, we are back this week, um, continuing on in our study of First John. And I don't know how many of you are working through the, the, the personal devotional study materials. Um, I know you're probably hearing it in Sunday school. Um, I'll try to hit something for... Uh, everybody in between. Uh, if you if you really have been bathing in it all week and uh, you feel like you know the text as good as anybody, then maybe I'll have some perspective for you. If if you haven't, if this is your first time coming in and you don't even have never read the book of First John, hopefully there'll be something for you as well. Um, just a little bit of background. The first week we talked about um, really the gospel, what it is that that has happened, that that God who is light in whom there's no darkness has come into this world through His Son, Jesus, um, to, to deal with this problem that we have called sin, our rebellion against that God of light, um, and that He has dealt with it decisively, that He was truly uh, real. He, he walked on this earth. He lived the life that we, none of us, can, can live, and He died on the cross to take to deal with our sin. And Chip talked about, if you were with us, um, this idea of propitiation, of the fact that God has dealt with our sin, um, that He has, has taken it upon Himself, that He's poured out His wrath for our rebellion on His Son and has wiped it away. For those who trust in Jesus, who, who trust in Him, who call on Him, who have a relationship with Him as, as our Savior, our sin is dealt with. And there's a little word that, that signifies a shift in, um, in John's thinking in, in our passage that leads into a right understanding of our text today. And I want to talk about that just for a second before we deal with, with our passage today. And the idea goes like this. The gospel is, is good news that is past, 
in its present and in its future. Last um, time when, when Chip preached, we talked about the gospel as it deals with the past. That Jesus has come and he's dealt with our sin and the guilt that is associated with it. And when we look at verse, in chapter 2, the first couple of verses, we see this idea of Christ as an advocate for us. And Chip painted for us the, the view of a courtroom and of Jesus pleading uh, our case, not based on what we've done, but based on what he has done for us. His perfect life, his um, satisfying death on the cross for our sin, satisfying the punishment um, that we deserve. But then there's also a present and also a future aspect of the gospel. See, that the gospel not only deals with the guilt that is associated with our sin, but it also gives us power to live today, um, to, to deal with sin, to see sin more and more rooted out of us, to see us more and more become like God intended for us to be. And then it's got a future aspect where Jesus comes back and deals finally and completely with, with sin and all of, all of its effects, restoring things completely, renewing things in what we, we talk about as the new heavens and the new earth. He literally brings all that's true in heaven to earth and renews all things. Where John goes this morning is dealing with the present. He moves from dealing with the past and the guilt of our sin to the present, dealing with the power that the gospel has to to make us more like we were intended to be, to root out sin in us and make us live as we were designed to live um, uh, originally. Um, and, and really where the shift takes place is in this idea of Christ in verse 2 of chapter 2 as our advocate. Um, actually, chapter, verse 1 and 2. He says, If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not only for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. What is John talking about there? Well, in Hebrews and in other passages, we have Jesus as an example, as an advocate, as an intercessor before the Father, um, acting like a priest, going into God's presence and, and saying, listen, I've died for that sin. I've dealt with it. It's taken away. They are no longer... Uh, under your judgment. This word advocate here, and this is where the shift takes place, is really the idea of, um, of paraclete, helper. It's the same word used here of Jesus that Jesus use, uses of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how much you've looked at or studied the work of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a confusing part of the Trinity. He's one that we don't talk about or, or don't uh, study a whole lot, and really that's by His design. He doesn't want to bring attention to himself. He wants to point to Jesus. That's what he's here for. He's in our hearts to plead the work of Jesus uh, for us, to apply it to our lives personally, to say, hey, this is what Jesus has done on your behalf. Let me apply it to you. Let me help you understand it. Let me help you work it out in your life. Well, Jesus uh, refers uh, here, uh, John refers here to Jesus as the same thing for us in heaven. Now, what, what does that mean? What does that what does that look like for us? Well, John Stott says it this way. A shift has taken place, if we have trusted in Jesus as our Savior, a shift has taken place in our relationship with God. We no longer, if we've trusted Jesus for our salvation, we no longer have to view God as our judge. Now we can view Him as our Father. And I didn't plan this, but it's perfect for Father's Day. 
See, the power to live the life that we're called to live as Christians comes from understanding the gospel that God, if we've trusted in Jesus, is no longer our judge. Jesus has dealt with that. He is now our Father. And now we live in relation to Him as a member of the family of God. Um, And that means that when we sin, it's different. Um, If I were to to, to fall into, to, to commit a crime... And I had standing before me a judge that was going to deal with me because of my crime and my father who was going to deal with me because of my crime. Those are going to be two different responses, right? Well, that's what John is saying here is that um, because of of what Jesus has done, because of the good news coming into our world, because of us believing and trusting in that, we no longer have to see God as our judge but as our father. And that has huge consequences for us. We're going to look at two of them this morning, and then the third next week. And the two this morning are this. This power, this understanding and living in relation to Jesus is now, as God is now our Father and not, no, no longer our judge, um, displays itself in obedience and in love. Those are the two we're going to look at this morning, obedience and in love. And we see in verses 3 through 6 how this power is displayed through obedience. Let me read it again real quick, verses 3 through 6. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Obedience. How does obedience display the power of the gospel in our lives? Um, A a few ways that the the passage here talks about. First is um, by knowledge or comprehending what Jesus has done for us. Knowledge, comprehending. When I was working with youth in in Greenville, South Carolina at Mitchell Road Presbyterian, I went on my first short-term mission trip. I had gone to... um, Actually, it wasn't my first. It's my first across um, the border um, missions trip, short-term mission trip. And we went to, to Merida, Mexico, and we did construction and VBS, the things that you think about when you think about short-term trips. Um, and we were there for two weeks, which was a, a significant amount of time for me being out of, uh, of my, my comfort zone, of my, um, my comforts in this country. Um, that trip forever changed me. Because I, I saw um, poverty like I'd never seen poverty. I saw children affected by the gospel and people affected by the gospel in ways that, that I'd never seen before. I saw cultures in a, in a brand new way. Um, I ate different foods and lived in a different schedule and worked uh, a, a different schedule than I'd ever worked before. Um, and I came back and never to be the same because of that experience, because of the knowledge that I now had um, of what God was doing in other parts of the world. That's a little plug for short-term missions for you. Um, that's what happens, right? When we, when we know something, um, we, we can never be the same if we truly have experienced it and truly know it. Um, I'll say it this way, too. Um, many of you I could say this about, but... Um, you know, there are certain elders in this congregation that I've gotten very close to over the years. And because of, of them knowing the, the details, the intimate details of my life and my family, 
um, financial struggles, whatever it might be. And because of them jumping in and walking through those situations with me, um, there's not much they can do um, to me, or, or if I hear a bad report coming from, uh, from, from somebody about them, there's not much they can do wrong in my eyes. Why? Because I know them, and they know me. And they have expressed, by walking through tough times in my life with me, they have expressed love to me, such that I know so deeply, so powerfully, um, that, that I'll never be able to live in relation to them in the same way. Well, John is saying that about us and our relationship with Jesus. That if you have tasted of him, if you truly know who God is, this God of light that he described, then you can't act the same. Then you will obey. I love how John Piper puts it. He says this. He says, to know the love of God that God has for you is to trust it. He says, for John, it's unthinkable that a person can know the love of God and not trust it. Not to trust it must mean that you don't think it's really love. So when God commands you to do something and you ignore it or go against it, John can conclude only one thing, that you don't believe that God is love. And therefore, you don't know him. If you believe that God is love, then you would believe that all his commands were the very best thing for you. And you would follow them. When you turn away from his commands, you say in effect... A loving God wouldn't command me to do that. And so you show that you don't truly know this God who you claim to know. Knowing him must result in obedience. It's not as if I've, like I've viewed it in the past, it's not as if God says, okay, here I am, you've got to do these things. There's an element of that, but it's deeper than that. It's a knowledge of a relationship with God who says, look who I am. Look what I've done for you. Look at how I want to, to relate to you now and, and, and put you on a path that is your best. Even though it may not agree uh, in every way with what you want, it's your best. And if you know that, your response, my response is, yes, I want that. So obedience shows our knowledge, our comprehension of who God is. It also shows our loyalty, our allegiance to God. The Bible talks um, and gives the metaphor of, of kingdoms. And it says, especially in, in passages like the Lord's Prayer, it makes it very clear that we who claim to call on Jesus as our Savior have entered a new kingdom. That we no longer, as, as, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, live for ourselves, but for Him who died and for our sake was, was raised. We, we have entered a, a new rule. We have a new king that we call on. And, and that's, that's what John is, is pointing to here when he says, listen, uh, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected, is completed. And we, must, we may know that we, we, we know him, that we're in him when we walk in the same way in which he walked. We've got a new allegiance, a new uh, love. You can think about it in a, in a marriage relationship. Two people fall in love. Um, this mysterious thing that, that, uh, that, that, that gets a hold of them. And, and they're drawn to each other. And a lot of times as you look at the personality studies, um, opposites attract, right? What is it that's drawn these two people together? Well, a lot of times what it is is you see something in that other person that is different than you, that makes up for a weakness that you have, that makes you feel good. 
And so this thing that we call love, a lot of times, is actually self-love. It's, um, hey, here's a person that can help me uh, in my kingdom live the way that that I want to live. Here's a person that can make me feel the way that I want to feel. And what happens? You get married, and whether it's a month or a year or five years or 15 years into it, that couple who seems so in love, who seems such a match for each other, is now talking about parting ways. Because they realized at some point along the way that that person didn't exist um, to further my kingdom. And they started to to see that person didn't uh, think, they they just didn't get it, that they were, were, were alive to make me feel the way I wanted to feel and to do the things that I wanted them to do. Because we're living for our kingdom. John says here, listen, Jesus Christ didn't give you his grace. He didn't call you um, so that he could, could further your kingdom. He called you to something better, much, much better, to live in, in his kingdom, to live as you were created and designed to, 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 to live. And that demands loyalty, allegiance. See, obedience is displayed in, in our, as our knowledge, our comprehension of him, but also in our allegiance and our loyalty. And then lastly, um, it's displayed as it, com- it completes the work that God has done in us. Um, this is how I get it, this one. It's, I uh, recently was given a used dishwasher from one of my friends who had a dishwasher laying around in their basement. And if you, know this per- if you, if you knew this person, if I said him, you would say, yes, that makes sense. So they would have a dishwasher sitting around in their basement. Um, our dishwasher wasn't cleaning. He's, I mentioned something to him, and he said, oh, I've got a dishwasher. You ought to try it. Well, um, I, I bravely um, got on the internet, found a YouTube video that showed how to install a dishwasher, and I installed this dishwasher in our house. Um, and the first time I tried it, to give it the, the test, I was um, glad it didn't electrocute me, but it did um, start this slow, small little leak out the side. And I was like, oh, no. It cleaned the dishes great, but now there's this little leak. And I just I turned it off, and... I, put a, I folded up a towel and I stuck it under there because I wanted to see what is the extent of this leak. Is it just a drip that we can deal with or is it something that's, that's major? Um, and so I turned it on and put the towel down there and um, foolishly left the house. Um, I came back a little bit later. The dishwasher had run its cycle. Thankfully, there was no major damage done, but I picked up that towel and it was just soaking wet. I mean, just soaking wet. I took it outside and I mopped up the rest of the water. Um, the leak was was big time, right? This was a big deal. This was a through and through leak. This was not just something that was we could live with. This was something that has to be fixed. Um, John says, listen, that is what obedience is. If you truly know God, if you've truly given yourself to him in allegiance and loyalty to his kingdom, then you're going to see it by its extent in your life. You're going to see it coming out in all the areas of your life that it's not just some small thing. It's not just some small little part of your life, but it, it, it filters out and it, it affects every area of your life. And through you, every area that you touch, that's what the hymn is about. It's as far as the curse is found, this gospel is going to infiltrate and, and change. So you'll no longer handle power the same way that you did before Jesus. 
Power will no longer be something that, that you grab onto to make yourself something great. But it'll be something, that, as the Bible talks about it, you'll wield with, with humility and trembling. And you'll use any kind of power and influence you have to, to make great of God and to, 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 to help those that are disenfranchised and that are lowly. You'll, you'll no longer be able to view money, finances, resources the same way. It's no longer something that you've got, that you've worked hard, but they're a gift from God of which you're a steward. And you will ask the question, what can I do with this to make much of God and, and to make his gospel go forth in all these different areas of my life? And you'll no longer view things like sex the same way that the world views it as something to, 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 to bring yourself this, this uh, uncharacterized, uh, this unbalanced uh, pleasure, but it's something within marriage that, it, it, if handled rightly in the right context, is, can make much of God and can show beauty to the world as you, as you multiply and have dominion. See, every area of creation, everything is God's. And He's come to, to make his blessings known as far as the curse is found. How does he do that? Through obedience. As we know him rightly, it's displayed in our lives through our loyalty to him as, as, it, as it filters through every area of our life. Now, again, I say that not to say, hey, if you're not doing this, God's going to strike you down. If you call on Jesus and you're not doing this, God's going to strike you down because he's your judge and he's waiting. No, God... If, if you trusted in Christ, your relationship has been changed. He's your father. And he's saying, this is what I want for you. Read this book. Read these things and, and see how is the best way that I've designed for you to live. And as you know me more and more, as you trust me more and more, as you pledge allegiance to my kingdom more and more and less and less to, to you and your kingdom and your selfishness, these things will work themselves out in your life in such a way that brings me a whole lot of glory and gives you a whole lot of joy. How is that power of the gospel displayed? It's displayed through our obedience. Where is it displayed? I have no time to get to that point. So here's what we'll do. We'll get to that point next week. Let me just make a couple of applications for just the obedience part. One of the applications for obedience, one of the areas that we apply this idea of obedience is what we're going to talk about next week. Through our love for our brothers and through our um, abstaining from the world. And we're going to talk about all that that means when we get together next week. Um, but I think the application of obedience starts um, in our heads from a right understanding of, of, of the gospel. Meaning this, um, that idea, that phrase, the, the truth, that all, all things are, are the Lord's. There's not an inch of which God does not save creation. This is mine. Um, if, you, if you really start to ask the questions and apply that to every area of your life, it will change the way you view things. Um, it'll... It'll change the way you enter the marketplace. I, uh, I've been impacted hugely by a, a, a preacher named Alistair Begg, who is a Scottish preacher uh, who's a stateside. And I think I've shared this before, so bear with me. But um, 
he talks about going into the post office one day and seeing a, um, a girl, hearing, hearing a girl that's in front of him speaking with her friend and realizing that she's from Scotland and saying, oh, where are you from? And she said, well, I'm from Scotland. He said, I know you're from Scotland, but where in Scotland? And she said, well, I'm from Glasgow. And he says, well, that's great. I am too. Where about? And they start talking and they realize they've got some friends in common. And he said, well, what are you in the States for? And she says, well, I'm studying law at such and such university. And he says, that's great. Have you applied your legal knowledge to the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And he says, I know she was thinking, what is this middle-aged freak doing here in the midst of the post office asking me about applying my legal mind to the, the, knowledge, or the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus? What was he doing? He was applying this truth. I know the God of the universe because of what Jesus Christ has done. He has removed my guilt and he's entered into a relationship with me. And now every area of my life has been called to, to, to live under his lordship, under his kingdom. And so what is he doing? He's saying law? Oh, that's great. God knows a lot about law. He invented it. He's the creator. How do you bear, how do you bring the truth of, of your relationship to bear in the area of law? What if we did that? What if we sought to bring who, who we are in Christ, our relationship with God, to bear on every area of our life? What would it change? How would it, how would it change the way we live, who we spend our time with, what we spend our resources on? That is the call to live in relationship with our Heavenly Father in a way that has uh, direct effect on our daily lives here in the present. Let's pray that God would work that in us even this week. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is something that definitely and thankfully deals with our past. It uh, clearly deals with our sin and the guilt that's associated with it. And it gives us hope for the future that you're going to come back. Because you've raised from the dead, we have confidence you're going to come back and complete, uh, fulfill all of your promises to renew all things, to complete the work that you've started. But God, on a day-to-day basis, it gives us power to live in the present. It applies in every area of our lives. Help us more and more, even this week, to bring your gospel to bear in every area of our lives as we obey Um, As we live in light of, of the knowledge we have in you, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to sing a a song of response before the throne of God above. Um, Let me invite you to stand and receive the benediction, and then we'll sing the song of response. This is from the letter of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.